What's up? I'm Joey, and this is the Owning It Podcast. After years of wearing a suit and tie, he said, I've had enough of the litigating lie. And so he struck out on his own. He's a lawyer and a speaker and a business coach. This is Owning It with Joey C. Trademarks, copyrights, What is going on, everybody? Man, I am so, so excited for this episode. It's so good. So here's why I love this episode and this topic and this guest expert that I brought on. So many people right now are talking about the importance of the client experience and gift giving and wow packages that you give your clients to make them fall in love with you. And I think this is my fifth year now in business. I'm losing count. But I can tell you, one of the most expensive lessons that I've learned myself personally is that gift giving is not going to solve your customer support and your customer experience problems. And I got to tell you, for a really long time, I felt like no one else was having the problems that I was having. Because whenever I would go into groups of other business owners or talk to my friends about it, I mean, so many people were recommending certain gifts or certain books about gift giving or trying to out-gift each other in terms of comparing what their gifts look like to someone else. And so I was so freaking excited when I connected with John Strohmeyer and he was telling me that not only was I not alone, But guys, I was freaking right. Here's the deal. John knows this stuff. And he helped me really confirm and validate that a lot of the concerns and problems that I had were valid. And he says this in a way that is so much more eloquent and effective than if I was trying to put my own language and words to this. And if you don't know John, you are going to freaking love him. He is the proprietor of Strohmeyer Law PLLC in Houston, where he assists individuals and their businesses with cross-border tax planning, estate planning, and estate administrations. Basically, complicated, high-end stuff. And more importantly, for the purposes of this podcast episode, he's the host of the Five Star Council podcast, where he blasts through the confusing and misleading advice about customer service, telling us to follow Disney Four Seasons Zappos for our law firms. Those are the mistakes that might sound fun and sexy, but it's not really where you should be putting your time and attention. Based on his first career working for the Four Seasons Hotels, primarily as the night manager of the Austin property, he helps lawyers get better at client service, which helps them satisfy their ethical duties to their clients and convey their competence to their clients. And again, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of law firm owner to law firm owner speak here, but if you are not a law firm owner, buckle up, don't shift to a different podcast episode. Trust me, you're going to get a lot out of this. Let's dive in. So real quick, I just want to be straight with you about one of my biggest legal tips. And here it is. 
Without trademarks, you do not own your brand. Like, legally speaking, you do not have the rights to things like your business name, your program, your signature method, the name of your podcast, your logo, your slogan, all that stuff. And as someone who's helped a lot of entrepreneurs when they're forced to rebrand, I want to help you avoid these nightmare situations. So I've created a free training that walks you through my signature method for helping my clients and students get trademarked. Now, if you want to protect your brand and gain authority, grab your free seat and watch this free training. You can find it at www.joeycvitale.com trademark. I'm giving away a free gift just for attending. So again, go to joeycvitale.com trademark or just click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. And a lot of it comes down to don't take expensive risks on things Ooh. like this. There's a time and a place for it. But when you have chocolates left for you on your bed in the Four Seasons or their little amenities, those are things that are, it's not throwaway. It does have a cost to it, but it's not some huge expense like the Four Seasons. It was the sort of thing of you could send those to anybody you wanted to as an employee. Once you were high enough and you had access to that sort of thing, they'd let you send it to anybody like, oh, this person is coming mm. in. I remember Lemmy Kilmister, lead singer of Motorhead. You may be familiar, you may not be. He was coming to the hotel and I just noticed it because part of my job as the night manager was to look over the arrivals for the next day. And I was like, no way. One of my like literal heroes is coming to my hotel mm. for five days. And I did all this basically free stuff. And most of the upper management was like, who is this guy? We've never heard of him. Sure. Silly people. But, but they were like, we don't care. Because we've, the margin is fine for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for a hotel that conservatively grossed $100 million a year, 300 grand a night between rooms and hotels, yeah. me throwing away $10 in chocolates, who cares? And, yeah. and it's easy and the stuff was getting made anyway. And so when it comes to gifts, it's all about kind of relative proportion of risk. And it's also the same thing with marketing and a lot of other things. Mm. It's almost like I had a few podcast episodes on this. One of those four stages of business and the other is progressing through various levels. But <laughs> the idea is when you're small, like when you're in, when your total firm revenue is like under 75 or hundred grand a year, you should not be spending two grand a month on pay-per-click advertising. That is a waste of your money. It's a risk you can't afford. You need to get your basic stuff in line. That's what I get nervous about is Everybody sees all the shiny stuff. They see, oh, well, this firm that is doing multiples, not even multiples, zeros more than me. Like they're doing this. I need to do that too. It's like, well, no, 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 hold your horses. You're not there yet. And it yeah. doesn't make you bad or wrong. You're just growing. And and, and doing those things won't get you there. Right. Yeah. Right. Just because you've jumped ahead and gotten, oh, we know what our social media profile is, or this is our Instagram strategy. It's like, you don't need an Instagram strategy. You need a making money strategy first. I'm not one of the cool kids on uh, Clubhouse because frankly, I don't care for one more social media app right now. I'm sure it's great. And I know by the time I get there, John, the lawyer will be gone. Whatever. I've got that on Twitter. That's fine. You'll be fine. I mean, it, it, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. No, I, I'm with People you. There's there's a sense of vanity and ego to being an entrepreneur that I've felt is often stroked by 
other entrepreneurs that think similarly and marketers mm. who will accept your money and give you what you want there. And I think that this gift giving has the potential to be another kind of ego stroking vanity thing that is attached to the way that you provide your services more so than just like social media marketing. I will lump all the marketers together only as kind of one group of, of course, they're going to take your money to do the marketing and they're going to do their best. Like it's in their best interest to help you out. But are you ready for it? They should be charging you a lot of money because if you can't afford it, you shouldn't do it. Specific marketing help makes sense. Like outsourced marketing makes sense when you can afford to pay somebody to do it. If you can't afford a five grand a month spend on that, you're not ready for it. Like if you're not paying yourself probably at least 10 grand a month, you're not ready for that. And even if, when you are paying that or more to yourself, even then it may not make sense because you've got other things that you've got to think about first more than just opening up the pipeline. Like, I, I mean, I have not done any pay-per-click advertising. Mm. It's pretty much strictly referrals for me. And I'm fine with that. Now, have I done the other stuff that makes sense? Like getting Google My Business reviews? Yes. Why? Because people see that and that's kind of a low risk. I think that may even be one of those things you have to focus on from the beginning because it's probably cost-free. I'm trying to- What what are you sure saying I'm is cost-free? Getting on, getting your Google My Business profile mm. set up and collecting reviews on it. That is without financial cost as far as I can tell. Yeah. And just knowing you need to start pumping reviews in there. They need to be good reviews. And knowing what that is, that's a procedure and an hour or two on Google My Business to make sure people can find you. Yeah. And at this point, like if you don't have that, like you have to have that and a decent looking website to get going. And if you're not, what are you doing? Here in Houston, Yelp isn't that big of an issue. So I don't focus on it at all. Like I'm not trying to spread my reviews out among multiple platforms because sure. I know it's different in what I think California, you, you need to be on Yelp out there. That's fine. My advice would change there. You would yeah. want to be spreading your reviews around. Well, and it sounds like you're you're starting with the end in mind, really, to say, okay, I need in order for me to hit these goals that I have, I need this many sales. This is many. This many is probably going to come through referrals or people who see referrals and testimonials. It's about getting those leads injected into your sales machine first, right. and not just like being everywhere so that you can get more leads. And before you start pumping leads into your machine, the machine has to work. And that's, so that's, I think, where we need to start. Because I think right. that so many people, there are all of these different kind of sexy pockets of running a business. And yes, and I think that everybody who provides a type of professional service knows what it's like to try and sell something that's not the sexy part. And trying to convince people that, no, you really need to focus on this. Like as a trademark lawyer, right. people ask me for contracts all day. And I'm now getting to a point where I'm building out offers that say, okay, great. I'll give you those contracts. But now let's talk about other stuff that's probably less sexy, that is equally, if not more important for your business. I feel like people tend to sh quickly go to this, what gifts can I give my clients as a, a much easier solution than how can I really make sure that my processes are really streamlined, that I'm keeping the clients happy? Um, and if happiness is as easy to achieve as just sending them an expensive gift, then great. I'll just do that. Right. Well, and that's the thing. You know, people who hire us as lawyers aren't hiring us 
for a Starbucks gift card or mm. it, whatever fancy gift people are thinking about. They're hiring us to move the needle on some issue for them. For you, it's getting their trademarks done. For me, it's tax and estate planning. They're not coming to me to kind of have me go and help them buy Starbucks. They can do that without me. Yeah. Why should they impose the kind of opportunity cost of filtering that through me and my firm? Why should I spend my capital building that out? Just real quick, what is your perspective on why this has become such a trending topic? Because it's easy. Gifts are easy mm. because you can swipe your Amex and then you've done something for people. And then, ooh, you know, like the shock and awe of, you know, I sent them a thing and it's, client and customer experience is not bad or wrong. I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. but it's, you've got to focus on what you're actually doing. And Disney and Four Seasons and Ritz are important. Like they are good, but the big difference is they can afford to invest in that shock and awe, wow moment. All the stuff you hear from them of, you know, pamper your clients because ultimately they're selling entertainment, pampering and fun. That's why you go to those places. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had a free Saturday, and an unlimited budget, and COVID weren't a thing right now, you'd say, oh, no, I'd love to go and spend all the money at one of those places or any of their competitors. It's sure. not, nobody's going to say, I, you know, I've got unlimited budget, a free Saturday with no obligations. I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go hang out with my attorney and do attorney work stuff, not hang out with us because we're obviously the cool kids to hang out with. But it really, like, nobody's going to go to their lawyer or their accountant or their doctor or the financial advisor, maybe their barber, but I'd lump the barbers in with us. And it's not mm. necessarily like, this is not limiting it to any sort of professional degree. It's when you go to somebody to move the needle on something for you, you're going to them for that result. And you're not going for you know what I've started calling red herrings. You know, the mm. things that it's easy to get distracted of, ooh, we sent somebody this. It's, you know, unless it helps them move the needle, why are you doing it? So, I mean, yeah, my barber, you know, they sent out an email the other day. Hey, we finally got the beer lines back up and running. And it's like, that's great. That is a little bit of pampering, but I'm not going there for the beer. Frankly, I'm going there because I've gone to the same barber for five or six years now. Mm. And he does a great job cutting my hair. If, he, <laughs> you know, when my wife starts saying, I don't like that haircut anymore, I'm going to have a chat with Ryan to see if we can't figure it sure. out. But ultimately, I'm not too worried about him losing his ability to cut my hair correct. And that's the thing. We've just got to focus on clients pay for us to move the needle. They're not paying for us to give them, again, Starbucks or the, the fabulous prizes that they didn't ask for. Like, they didn't ask for Cutco knives from us. How do we know yeah. they want that? You know, it's emblazoned with our name on it. Like, they don't want that swag like that's just garbage most of the time or it's an expensive investment and this is not to say i haven't learned this lesson a few times the hard way sure i mean i i had a potential client years ago where i was like oh if i send them these embroidered placemats to celebrate the birth of their second child there's no way they're going to go anywhere else mm. and of course they went somewhere else and i was out the 250 dollars i spent on those and i'm sure they'll they'll think of me lovingly whenever they use them. Yeah. But the goal wasn't that. The goal was come hire my law firm to do some work for you. And like, I don't blame them. So like, they didn't ask for that. It almost sounds like at best gift giving as a business owner can be seen by the client or customer as like extremely thoughtful. Right. But thoughtfulness is not what clients want. Like, I really that's not like what that. They it's highly place the value on. 
it's mistaking the idea that people remember how you made them feel like, yeah, that's great. But we're as business owners, we're in the business of ultimately creating customers and servicing them. And so we need to be focused on those results. And it's not that gifts can't make that happen. It's that it's a risky proposition. And as a business owner, you shouldn't be taking these kind of high leveraged, high risk gifts if you can't afford to lose out on that. And Mm. so when we were responding to that Facebook post in, I think it was Max Lawyer the other day, somebody had commented, well, she sends her clients who are just coming out of surgery, a essentially a care package that has some pre-made meals in it. And I forget what it was. That makes sense. She's addressing a time when somebody's coming out of surgery, her clients are personal injury clients. She's done this enough. And it's, it is, I think she had mentioned it's a $60 package, but mm. I think these are also people who have already hired her. And even then, that makes way more sense. Somebody who's coming out of surgery, you're taking care of them when life is already hard enough. She knows enough about those types of clients that it makes a lot of sense to have that in place. Whereas for me and my estate planning clients, there's not an obvious thing I should send them. Here's this thing. What do I buy people? And everybody loves Yeti mugs. Well, Maybe not everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. We sent someone, I think it was like year one or year two of my business. We sent a couple of our biggest referral partners, those like um, electric mugs. Right. And one of them was like, this is great. I don't drink coffee or tea, but I guess I'll give it to my wife. And I was like, oh, right. darn it. And so I get that. When when we're then thinking about, okay, how do we effectively service our, our clients if to the extent that a gift is on that checklist, what are other things that we can cross off and, and work on before we get to or focus on gift giving? I mean, it's the gifts are kind of the high end, unless you are so dialed in on this and you yeah. know exactly what they need. It is, it's just risky in ways that you're probably not helping your clients, like it's distracting you. And one of the things that, you know, let's take it out and kind of think about it and not just gifts, but what other ways are we wasting money? that Mm. doesn't help clients because it's not just gifts. It's all the stuff that clients aren't asking for, but we're going to make them pay for. And the firms that say, oh, well, we've got a drink menu. Clients aren't coming to us for a drink menu. I've got a high net worth estate planning practice. I've got several clients with embarrassing amounts of money. And I have a Regis office that's their new imprint or newish imprint of spaces. So it's got polished concrete floors and glass windows in, or glass dividers. Like it looks nice, but it's clear that it is not my entire building. And my mm. high net worth clients have liked it. I don't have a fancy drink menu. When I ask them if they want anything to drink, it's, you know, water or coffee. Guess what? I have that. They don't expect that I'm going to have locally sourced. I guess we couldn't have locally sourced coffee beans, but we do have locally roasted coffee beans, don't get distracted on trying to outdo people because think about that Google review. What if you went and you're trying to pick Mm. a lawyer and it says, oh, you should hire Joey. He had the best margaritas available when I walked in. Why? (laughs) Yeah, it it almost turns the experience into something that can be commoditized. And I've definitely seen discussions and lawyer threads or where people are basically like trying to outgift each other or like getting ideas from other people and incorporating them into their own thing. Do you think that there's there are common mistakes people are making in the customer experience process where maybe they're starting to get complaints from customers or they feel like they could be doing better and they instead of 
trying to lean into certain things and get better at certain things, they say, okay, well, if we just start doing gifts more, or if we, you know, try and pamper the client, then that will allow us to be more effective here. Like, are there certain parts that make, you know, doing a good job for your client consistently over and over again, difficult that make gift giving more enticing? It's a shiny object distraction where you think, oh, well, we can stand out this way. And sure you can, but is that really what you want to be known for? Like you want to be known for having taken care of something, not, you know, yeah. not, oh, you know, like the, the gift's going to fade. And the idea that experience, you know, experience is not unimportant, but experience is just part of it because that's just what the client's receiving. It's not everything you're doing. Yeah. And there's this mistaken thought that client service is just mistake recovery. And that's, I mean, it's just, mm. it covers up so much of what actually gets done. You know, the way I think about it is it's everything you're doing to deliver your physical and uh, technical products. You know, so it's going to include things like running payroll. Clients are never going to experience you running payroll and they don't really care. They just care that people do the things that you need them to. And experience isn't unimportant, but it's just a sliver of what you're doing. And if you just focus on experience, like you just get in this weird trap of, well, what will make it better for the client? But you know, what about your employee experience? Are you mm. imposing this dog and pony show delivery of gifts over the top shock and all wow experience Shazam service where you're trying to just say, oh my God, you know, like we, we blew them away with this. It, like it, it just distracts people from what we need to be doing. And again, Disney and Four Seasons can and should be doing those over the top things. Mm. But what they're not doing is they're not blowing it out in the way that I don't know if you saw this, but apparently a few years ago, I think it was Reed Hoffman, who's in charge of Airbnb, gave this talk of like, well, if five star is somebody's there to greet you when you walk in your Airbnb, what's six star? And then what's mm. seven star? And they got they got to, you know, Elon Musk opens the door and surprise, you're going to the moon. It's like, let's think this through for a second. If that were gonna happen, you're gonna pay a lot more for that Airbnb to have Elon Musk there telling you you're going to go to the, the moon. You're not paying $100 or $200 or $300 or even $3,000 for that night. Mm. You're paying several million dollars for that night. When the Four Seasons does those like kind of things that you think of as high-end service, it's low rent. You're not noticing that you're getting charged for it or low rent. It's low dollar, low risk for them. Yeah. If, if they're doing something over the top, you've either asked them to do it or they're doing it very infrequently. There were a few times like early on if when I was there and we ultimately ended up stopped doing this, but we would put rose petals on the bed for like honeymoons sure. or engagements, things like that. It had to be requested, which meant we didn't know we weren't going to, mm. we were not going to do that without being asked to do it. You just don't put that you know, on everybody's easy. beds on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like no, <laughs> even some of the Valentine's Day packages those didn't happen. Ultimately, housekeeping was like, please stop doing this. It's ruining mm. the bed sheets. Ah, okay. And so it's there are other ways of doing it. It's like, oh, well, we could draw a bath and have the bath. Then it's mm. all in the bathtub and it still looks pretty and we've got candles or whatever. But those are things like the bag of rose petals. It's like a $10 thing. Having, you know, the marching band to greet you. Uh, I think this was like seven or eight stars on the Airbnb thing of like having the marching band greet you Beatles style getting off the plane for the first time oh in the U S that's not free. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's not something you can't expect. And it's also kind of blowing out, you know, it's yes, you can do 110%, but we all know hundred percent is 
in a lot of ways a hard limit on what can be done. You can really only give, you know, like we did 120% of what we did last month. That's a metric and a way of measuring things, but ultimately you can only get a hundred points out of something. And so mm. like, let's not mix and match what we can do and kind of, we're going to turn it up to 11. Yes. I love turning it up to 11, but ultimately like just revaluing things. All you're doing is you've taken 10, you know, like why not just renumber it to a, to 10 and kind of make each adjustment one tenth more or whatever, Ugh. whatever the math works out to. It's you're, crazy. You're getting distracted again. It's crazy to think about that and how there's just always another nth degree above whatever. And as you were talking to me, it reminded me of this big vacation that my family and I went on maybe four or five years ago. And it was one of the only five-star hotels in this, I want to say this was in Europe, in Italy. And we get there and it's beautiful, but my family is tired. And there, there, so there was some issue with the check-in. And even though we were like being given champagne or whatever and it was great my parents were getting heated with the front desk for like two hours because something wasn't right and it's like all of the the wow package melted away it didn't do anything to calm my parents being frustrated right and that's the thing it's just when i was at the four seasons you know there were 23 or whatever number of things you had to do on check-in and mostly it was just making sure they knew what to do how to do it and there was a di different list of like 11 or 13 when you checked out and they, they were different. It was mostly keyed on like be efficient, get them through, but make sure they know what to do in our hotel. And you can always change and adapt to who's in front of you. So if, if somebody walks up, you're assuming they're paying attention to you, but at the same time, if they walk up, so if they walk up and they're on their phone, you know, like you're going to treat them a little differently only because they're on their phone. Now, behind the scenes, we knew if they walked up and they didn't say anything and they just kind of plopped the card down. Guess what? You're getting the worst room I can give you mm. because, you know, at least acknowledge my humanity. And so the people who would walk up and say, I'm very sorry, like I have to stay on this phone call. Can you at least start this? Of course. Yes, sir. Uh, happy to oblige. And so many times there were things that that like just little things of respecting the other person on the other side of the counter. Like, oh, I'm a human too, even though I'm wearing a name tag and a silly suit that's a uniform for me. Doesn't mean, you know, like take care of that person. Are, are there I've things a lot that more control owners, than you think? Are there things that law firm owners can do and train their staff on to be more effective? Are there certain kinds of customer service issues that tend to pop up kind of throughout. Like I know for me, there are a couple of moments along the, the customer journey of the trademark process where we can get a rejection or for whatever reason, have some bad news to send to the client. And right. there's always some area of opportunity there in terms of what can we do to be more effective in giving that news and in managing any response where there's frustration. So here's the thing. As lawyers, we're the guides. We've done this before. We know we have walked up this path many times. We know where the stumbling blocks are going to be. And so that means we know if we know what those stumbling blocks are going to be, we should be identifying them and saying, look, we don't want this to happen, but it's possible we'll get rejected. If that happens, this is what will happen after that. Like we're ready and we've dealt with this before. Or you can even be saying, you know, you're, I don't even know what a kind of marginal case for you would be in terms of maybe this gets rejected, you know, 50-50 shot versus 90-10 sure. to not get rejected. That marginal case is like, I'm letting you know now 
this there's a good chance. So you need to be thinking of things of alternatives to fill in the generic, probably not trademarkable potential yeah. mark. Yeah. For us, it's very like we understand that you've you're wanting to protect a name that at this point you're pretty emotionally connected to. But if we if we learn things that are just hard truths around the situation, we have to think less emotionally right. and come up with potential alternatives that you can call dibs on. As a lawyer that works with business owners, that's a common thing that I'm talking with my client my clients about. Do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Because if you want right. to just make us wrong right now, my team is trained to just kind of take it. But at the same time, be like, we want to help you. And it's not helpful to you to just complain about the situation. And, and you know, at a certain point, you do need to let people vent a bit. Yeah. But you also want to let them know early, this is a risk. It's not all sunshine and daisies all the time. We need to let you know about this. I mean, I had, had this and gift giving could client. even counter that too. Like if you're in, if you're creating this environment where it's super shock and awe, and then you give them bad news, there was like, wait, I thought this was going to be a Disney experience where I was just going to be right. having all of this great stuff happening the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've got to acknowledge that there is some risk. I was having this call with a client yesterday. We're going to try and use the legal process for probate to avoid some of the debts of the decedent. I mean, it's perfectly legal. We've done it all the time, but there's a chance it doesn't work just that the creditors could do what they're supposed to. And there's not much else we can do about it other than saying, well, we tried, but it's an option and a path we need to go down. But that doesn't say on the other end of it of we'll just try any old thing and try and squeeze it past because if we can work it now, we're just kicking the can down the road. You know, on the other side of it is there are some options that when you're dealing with somebody who's passed, a title company that's going to manage the real estate closing, you may be, may be able to convince them to do something that works for them now, but ultimately just kicks the can down the road for what is acceptable. And when some, you know, when that buyer goes to sell title later, they're going to have the same problem. And then they're coming back to you and they're making claim on the title policy. It's just a bigger mess than it should be. I, I want to take the conversation in a slightly different direction too. Cause I think sometimes lawyers, when we think about gifting and I just mean business owners too, when we're thinking about things that we can do that are kind of like gifts for our clients or our customers, things that show that we're thoughtful. I think in a, in a similar category of gift giving is time with the business owner. And, you know, I want to make sure that my clients know that they can reach out and have time to talk with me if they want, or I'll send a bunch of handwritten letters or like personal videos to people as they go through. There might not be as much of a cost to that. And there, it, it could still be valuable. From your experience, how is that kind of just thoughtfulness in terms of your time as, as valuable to customers as we think it is? Or is that really in our own heads? lawyer answer incoming it of course it's going to depend for lawyers and for most of us we you know mike whalen and i have talked many many times on you know picking the expert path because that's mm. honestly where our value is long term the legal profession it's differentiating into the folks who are the experts like you call me for high net worth estate planning international tax questions for individuals you know that sort of stuff there's also the other end of the spectrum where they're just staying one step ahead of legal zoom what some people are calling like tour guides to law it doesn't matter who you are you're just the one who got to them they're fending off legal zoom on the other side and they're having to do a lot of things to just as long as i'm top of the rankings it doesn't matter 
anybody right. can get you through this process. It might as well be me. Sure. And so there's value in both. Think about it as the McDonald's versus the one-off steakhouse burger. You know, if you're going to the high-end steakhouse, that's the expert route. You're going to pay more. Ultimately, you're still getting, for your high-end hamburger, you're getting better grade of meat, better beef, better bread, and all the rest. And McDonald's is playing a numbers game. They're playing the volume game. You can make the choices there, but, you know, nobody cares because you're just doing the commodity run or the commodity play in McDonald's. You know, just knowing that, look, if you're doing that, you can be productive at it, but you're going to fight different fights and you're going to have different headaches than the expert path. And on the expert path, it is more valuable to have time with me to discuss whatever your problems are. And time time my with you have, specifically or just time with the team? It, it depends on what we're looking at. I mean, okay. right now, you know, so we do ultimately as part of estate planning, we need you to sign some documents. And through COVID, we've been pushed into how can we do this? What does it look like? What's safe for everybody? We've done a few digital executions for folks. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's part of it that's valuable for me to be involved in. There's part of it, it doesn't matter. And there's part of it where it could be really anybody. And so figuring out, like once somebody's ready to sign documents, putting together the process where it's going to be, look, here's the video where I'm going to explain exactly what we're going to do. Client, please watch this. It's a 15 minute video. It saves you half an hour if you watch this video. Then we're going to send them probably a video ask questionnaire and video ask is my new favorite tool that like this is a shiny object that I get really excited about because it's like type form but you're putting video it's you asking the question yep it's a thing from type form and then they can send back uh, text answers or audio answers or video answers and then you can interact with them through an app on your phone it is slick so you know what we're looking at is here's the video of me explaining the documents that should come from me but I'm, you know, like I've given that speech hundreds of times explaining like, all right, you're going to sign your declaration of guardian. Make sure the names are all right and in the right order. This one means this. Oh. This one means this. You're not making any choices on the document. All you're going to do is sign. And then walking through all the documents and kind of, here are the things to think about. Here's what I recommend for you. And I can do six or seven versions of the video because if you're married, the choices are going to be different than if you're single. So we can send the like, here's what you're going to sign. Then we can follow that up with a video ask of, hey, thanks for watching the video. You watched it, right? Yes, no. Says no, please go watch it. Like this honestly is important. What I hear you saying yeah. is it's almost like you've taken that question of should clients be talking to you? And you've thought, you know, people at the end of the day, they don't just want to talk to you, John, because they love you, John. Like they want to talk to you because they think that if they talk to you, they'll get their, their issue resolved the fastest. And right. it sounds like you through, through video ask and your amazing tech brain. Anyways, you figured out, okay, how is it that I help people when they get access to me? And what are the questions that I ask them and how can I create that experience for them so they can get that resolution even more effectively and faster than scheduling a call with me days in, in advance. Right. And that's the thing It's if we have it on video, you don't have to wait for me. It's ready whenever you are. Right. If you want to watch that video at three in the morning, you can watch that video at three in the morning. You don't have to wait for time on my calendar. We can get you through the process faster. And at the end of it, the way we're programming it out, there will be places of, I don't know what I want to decide. I do want to talk to John for 10 minutes about this sure. because I know those conversations honestly take about five minutes to just point them in the right direction. And then there we go. They get the benefit of me telling them what to do. 
Then if they need more guidance, we can schedule that phone call. And then what I can do is, you know, we'll type in the documents. I can export that to a PDF. I don't have to be the notary on that. I've just always mm. been the notary because it's it's been easiest. We've got them in the room. I'll walk you through this. But then what we're going to do is just say, well, look, I can have my paralegal be the notary because really all she's doing is just walking through like, this is the choice you've made. If you want to make a different choice, now is the time to make that different choice. And yeah. then all she's doing is notarizing it. I don't have to be involved because it's not important for me to be involved in that particular process. And just taking a look back and saying, oh, this is the important part of it. This is where clients need some information and I can guide them on that part. But it really is to kind of breaking it down, looking at it again, like what are the fundamental pieces? All right, clients need some information. That should come from me. That shouldn't come from my paralegal. And if they have questions, those questions should come to me. Again, different practices may say, look, you can get some of the answers from the paralegal. It's not that all the questions have to be answered by me, but the way my practice is set up, clients are ultimately hiring me more than the firm. And so mm. like my processes are set up like the first, I call it checkpoint or choke point event. People want to talk to me because I'm the one who's going to know everything. And it's my brain being applied as the expert. It doesn't mean that you won't talk to somebody else, but you're not going to hire my firm until you've talked to me. And that's not only because my name's on the door, but also just kind of the very deeply personal relationship that I'm going to have with the clients. Like my clients want to talk to me okay. and make sure yeah, that makes that that like makes, the sound of my voice enough. That makes sense. And because that's such a high touch experience, I know something that we did was because the trademark application process takes anywhere from six months to a year or more, we quickly shifted fast from email communication to having a client portal. I'm bringing this up because that's something that any clients listening in, that's something that we're still looking for ways to improve on. Right now we're using a, a client portal that is attached to like a legal piece of software, but it's probably one of our biggest client complaints is just that it accessing that portal isn't as user-friendly as it should be here in 2021. And right. I'm putting you on the spot just because I'm confident that you can either say you don't have an answer or, or you probably do. But do you know of any like really good client portal software solutions or even things that might not be law firm specific that can do that kind of stuff well? I don't. And we've gone or like we, we use Dropbox for a while, upgraded for security reasons to share file because that had better. I mean, it, it was a trade-off. People can use it. We use Basecamp internally for project management. The problem is when you ask somebody to use a new portal, you're asking them to shoehorn another password and another login and one more thing to remember into their heads. And yeah, that that's a big issue that, you know, for those of us who are already using password management, that's not a big issue. Like I don't I'm like, all right, fine. One more thing. I need to remember this password. And then I can probably, you know, circle file that password or at least not even have to remember that I had that password in a month or two. But for a lot of people, they may not be doing that yet. And I mean, frankly, I'm telling my estate planning clients, you should be using, we use Dashlane, but Dashlane or 1Pass or LastPass. One, yeah. Go look at PC, PC uh, Mag or whoever, like go find somebody's editor's choice and use those. It doesn't matter, but your life will be easier when you use that. But for most people, they're still not doing it. And asking them to cram one new tool that we have to use, that we're already using into their life when they don't already use it, 
it's asking them to do something for us. And that's not always the easiest ask. Like we're, hey, yeah. change your life to fit with me. The big reason why we changed was because our clients were first getting frustrated with kind of emails going back and forth or not being able to find whatever. And so the, the best thing about our client portal is people can log in and they can get at a glance view of the entire chat history we've had. I think the biggest problem that that has been voiced to us is, and again, as a law firm, we value the fact that it's secure, you know, with this information and more secure than email. But the problem is every time we send them a message through the, the portal, they get an email alert that looks kind of like spam that we can't edit that says, yeah. you've got a new message in your portal, click here to see it. And we can't give any context of what the message is in that email that is sent. That is frustrating. And I, mean, and, I, I, I and say this because this, and I hope that that you'll agree with me, but my team and I are confident that this is the kind of customer experience issue that we're going to be focusing on in terms of making this less of a high effort experience for the customer. Like this is our priority right now, not what additional gifts can we give our clients? Exactly. Like make the process easy for them, not distract them with uh, flowers and gift cards and chocolates and say that having, we received a gift box of chocolates for my wife received it yesterday. We have of course devoured it already. Hey, I was wonderful. I don't even care who said it, but thank you for supplementing <laughs> my life. Whoever outside totally. insurance agent with uh, you know, three and a half pounds of Godiva chocolate that she and I tamped down our throats last night, oh my gosh. but you're exactly right. It's recognizing that, you know, step one, make the process easier. Good for you for recognizing that this is a weird experience. But the thing I'd say is, are you acknowledging to your clients, you're going to receive these portal emails, we can't control them. So the thing I would think about is when you're putting things in the portal, and they're getting this email, is it like 90, 10, good to bad? 50-50? That's a, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. And I don't know if my team is tracking that. The thing that we're trying to focus on the most now, when we really kind of lean into those questions and we ask some additional questions, it seems like the, the most effective answer right now is to realize that the business owners that we have in general, their inboxes are crazy. And we just right. need to get someone else on their team to have access of this and make sure that they are marking these not as spam, that it's being flagged and that they have a responsibility on the team, not the business owner that's really you know more of our client representative to make sure that those emails are being seen and responded to. Figuring out what those individual touch points are. And you know, yeah. we'd already mentioned client journey, but touch points are different. Mm. Touch points can be any number, like you'll have the same touch point all along your client journey, but thinking, all right, well, the touch point of Instagram is important when you're doing marketing. And maybe there's some, I don't know, you tell me, do, do current clients go back to your Instagram or is it, you know, once they found us, of course, they're kind of still there. They're not unsubscribing. So we're still providing content. That's one thing to think about. And somebody, I had a business owner do this recently of what, figure out what your choke point event is. What's the first thing that somebody, what is something that every potential client is going to jump through as part mm -hmm. of this. And for me, it's, it'll be that first phone call with me, but we're actually kind of morphing that into the video ask of yeah. here's your first interaction with me, but then saying, all right, if Instagram is a potential client marketing touch point, how does somebody get from there to your first choke point event? Now, dog food that 
you go to your Instagram and you try and get from here to there and not use your own information, your own, like the fact that, you know, I've got to scroll in, like blind yourself to what, you know, and go through that process and see is, Mm. you know, what's the actual process like on this. And so, you know, a few things, one, figuring out dear clients, we're going to, you're going to get these automatic notifications. It means something has changed. Here's what to expect. The first three months, mostly this is just going to be us putting things in. When it's something important that you actually need to pay attention to, we'll send you a separate email or right. don't expect to see any of these responses for whatever. And maybe, I mean, it's probably not reasonable for you to just go file a new trademark app for yourself. I mean, you're just not worth the time and effort, but possibly mocking up what this looks like yeah. and just saying, all right, we have Joey's the new client. Let's see what it looks like on our end when we set up some test thing for us and like how many responses are we giving and you know like joey one is a completely easy casey case and just you know pick five exemplary cases you know two good one middle two bad do more of them and just walk through your system but from your side where you're reliving what happened probably in a compressed fashion of all right the first event was we updated this. Okay, you're getting this email. Like you're the guide. You should know what's going to happen, which means you you should know how your tools are going to work. And I think I I think I told you that I was so impressed with the company Nug and their you their did, emails but... when you when you order and then it gets shipped and then delivered. Like I loved their yes. email sequence. And so we I don't know if we've implemented it yet. But we've like adopted a similar kind of, you're in the middle of these stages and here are like big status updates, emails that we really? got for you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for what I'm doing, the problem is clients lose focus and we'll have minutes. I mean, yeah. I've got one client, we've been trying to get him to sign his document literally for years. Like yeah. come into the office. It's going to take half an hour. I know you have time, please. And so it's on us. Our responsibility is to pull them through the process and do flat fees I'm structuring things as I don't get full payment until you've signed your documents. You know, money sits in IOLTA. Are your listeners lawyers enough to know what that means? Or do I, should no, I? I don't think we have to really get into it, but it's, I, don't, I, think, yeah, this, I, don't wanna... I think this brings up a, a good point in general of just go through and, and check and make sure that your experience is as good as you think it is. And just to have a, a different spin on the conversation, one thing that I'm doing more and more of is being an affiliate for other people's programs and having people be an affiliate for mine. And one right. common trend that I've seen is a lot of business owners, I mean, they put a lot of work into like, if you want to be an affiliate for them, or if you want to help them with a the launch, they have all of these emails they send and graphics to help promote. And like, they're doing a lot of work, but on the receiving end, even though, yes, it looks like you have obviously done a lot of work for your own launch and you've made it easy for me because you've put together all of these graphics, this two-page Google Doc of steps I need to take to do this is overwhelming. Right. And so having been on both sides of it, we are now going into a direction of when people sign up to be an affiliate of ours, we hop on a phone call or a Zoom call and we get a lot of it just done during that call for them. And... I think that we're going to see a lot more of those types of like opportunities for improvement with touch points as things go more virtual. Because Absolutely. let's say yeah. you sign up for a virtual conference and I give you a 20 bullet email of what your responsibilities are. And it's, it all makes sense when you read it, but it's a lot of stuff to do versus just making sure that someone on your team grabs a call with someone on my team and we just bust it all out in 20 minutes. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's so much of it can be done so quickly that we just need to figure out what it looks like and how can we make it easier for them. If it really is, you know, we can knock it out in a phone call, then be prepped for the phone call and just say, look, we're going to need half an hour, you know, and if you're done at 10 minutes sure. early, hooray. But we need you to show up with phone call with these three things. And I do that with my clients as well for on the estate planning side is I don't need to know to the penny values, like literally whatever you have in your head about what you know and what you own, that's fine for right now. You know, a lot of times the value is going to fluctuate anyway, just knowing, you know, like I need to see what the pie chart looks like and how big are each of the slices. Sure. I don't want you to get wrapped up in, oh, well, you know, this will take half an hour if I'm lucky. It's how can I make the process easy enough to where it's just whatever's in your head right now. Like we just want a starting point. Like we'll get 80% of it done and we can come back and work on that last 20% and kind of chip away and get better and better information. And then if we're staying in touch with them, it's going to be easier because we've got a great starting point. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's right. I, I did forget about that insurance policy or, or, you know, I do have that 401k that I forgot about because it only had $2,000 in it. Let's go grab that. And just don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. On almost all of this, just start somewhere. This is a really good conversation that I hope more people are having around these ways to treat your clients better. They don't necessarily have fun, sexy solutions, but they do have like data-driven solutions. And for anybody who wants to learn more about how you can help them with this, with estate planning, with tax stuff, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Well, two things. One, if you want to just hear me talk about this stuff, Five Star Council Podcast. I will make sure Joey has a link to that. If you want to get in touch, john at fivestarcouncil.com is my email, direct real deal email. You'll hear back from me. Those are the two best things. Okay, awesome. John, you're the man. Thanks, bud. Oh, Joey, it's fun talking to you. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, one of these days we'll have to get you and Melissa and I all talking because I think that there's something to people who have a perspective on running a law firm that's not just being a law firm owner that I think really drives this stuff home. Definitely. And, you know, coming to Melissa's courses next week or next month, next month. Oh, nice. So, special insider bonus for Melissa's clients. Yes, there will be a March 2021 workshop on client service. Awesome. Very cool. All right. See you, John. Excellent. Thanks so much, bud. Bye. All right, has this episode motivated you to take some action on the legal side? Well, good, here's a great next step for you. I've put together a free legal training that people have legit been raving about. I just got a DM telling me that this was the best legal presentation they've ever seen. Yes, you heard that right. Best legal presentation ever. Okay, maybe that's a pretty low bar, but hey, I'll take it. And another person told me that they've never really had a lawyer who they trusted to recommend to their business friends. But after watching this training, now they know that I'm their go-to guy. So if you're ready to stop being overwhelmed by all the legal stuff, you are going to freaking love this training. Check it out at joeyc.vitali.com slash trademark, or just click on the link in the show notes. This is owning it. Thanks for listening to Owning It with me, Joey C. Vitale. If you like the show and want to know more, check out joeycvitale.com. And I'm all about spreading those golden legal nuggets. So leave a review and let me know which golden nuggets you picked up from this episode. 
All right, see you next time. If you wanna-